You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. If you would open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 6. We've been in a series entitled Miracles, and today is the fourth message of a five-week series. I want you to know that throughout this whole series, um, man, I've talked to many people. You know, when anytime you preach the Word of God, anytime the Word of God goes out, it never returns void. Do you believe that? Say amen. It never does. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. You've heard me say that there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. God has never broken one. But you need to know this morning that all of us, at one time or another, or even now, need a miracle. Some of us have seen a miracle. We have seen a major breakthrough in our lives when we didn't think there was any way. Because we didn't have enough faith, and maybe we doubted God, but, but God showed up. And this morning, man, I just keep thinking about all the people that I've dealt with in the past, uh, not just the time that I've been at Lima Baptist Temple, but even this past week, of that big word, cancer. Those who have still survived it, those have been to a point in a, in a, a situation to where the doctor says there was no hope. But again, God doesn't know what a hopeless situation is. We've heard people say that there was a stage at their cancer, stage one, two, three, or four. But again, God doesn't work in stages. God works in faith. God works in belief. There are many people today in this very room that need a miracle when it comes to physical healing. There are people today that I've heard about that is waiting on news to see if they have Parkinson's disease. I've heard from many who just need an emotional healing in their lives. Many just need a spiritual healing. Some need financial healing. And it goes on and on and on. And it seems like about right at the time that we doubt God, we give up all the hope, here comes God showing up right on his time. You need to know, when Christ performed a miracle, there was always a purpose behind it. And the miracle on the outside was never the most important thing. Hear that. It's always What's behind it that was the most important? So we begin to look at verse 35 in Mark 6, and we'll be reading through verse 43, so you can follow there in your word of the Bible, or you can follow on your tablet or whatever you may have or on the screen. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. It was a Remote place, some of your versions may say. And the hour is now late. 
Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered to them, you give them something to eat. Did you hear what Jesus did there? You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii? That's about $80,000 in today's terms. Worth the bread and give it to them to eat. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. This was not two wells, okay? And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. The first thing I want you to hear this morning is it's never too late for a miracle. Now, did any of you believe that? It's never too late for a miracle. If you have breath in your lungs today, it's never too late for a miracle. It says in verse 35, by the time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a desolate place. It's a remote place. They said, and it's already very late. And notice those words again, late and remote. Some translations not only say uh, desolate, place, but it also says a deserted place. So here's the problem, and it's a big one. It's seemingly an impossible one. There are 20,000 people that were gathered to hear Christ preach. Now, I know some of you said, but it was 5,000. No, 5,000 men and their families. There are 25, around 20,000 people that were gathered to hear Christ preach, and he fed about 5,000 men and their families. They were just so mesmerized by his teaching. And they were so captivated that they didn't even think about eating. And now it was getting late in the day. Now, I would like to think that so many people in here have been so mesmerized by my message that they didn't even think about eating. But some of you are already thinking about that, aren't you? They were in a really, really remote place. And there were 20,000 people, and there was no food around anywhere, and it was a real problem. It was a seemingly an impossible situation to feed all these people, being so late in the day, and so far removed from where food was. Now, we've been to that place, those of us who have gone to Israel. And, of course, it's so commercialized now, you know, they have to build things around it. And, by the way, if you want to go to Israel, our next trip is now planned for March of 2022. And that will be here before you know it. And there will be more uh, information on that later. Now, this was a test here for the disciples. God was really testing their faith. He was really trying to teach them a lesson. Now, guys, listen. I know we hear the, the messages and we read it in the Bible. But we're talking about two fish. Right? And five loaves. It was seemingly an impossible situation 
to feed all these people being so late in the day and so far removed from where God was. Kind of like last week, we talked about how they wanted to finish off those five armies and they didn't have enough daylight and God just made the sun stand still and the moon stand still and they waylaid them 48 hours. Now, this was a test here for the disciples. God was really, again, testing their faith, okay? He's really trying to teach them a lesson. And he was teaching them a lesson in miracles. And the miracle was not as much for the 20,000 on the hillside as it was for the 12 that were right next to him. And the first lesson was it's never too late for a miracle. Aren't you thankful? But they thought it was because they said, Jesus, it's just too late. And man, we're in a remote, we're in a desolate place. Send them away. Well, maybe you're here this morning, and you need a miracle today. And it's getting late. And you're starting to think it's too late, and the chances are remote. I want you to know, God does His greatest miracles late in the day in a remote place. And maybe you feel like it's too late. Maybe you feel like the chances are too remote, or there's no chance I want you to know again, it's never too late for a miracle. We have to look to the source of miracles. But secondly, I want you to see, to experience a miracle, you have to recognize you need one. You have to recognize you need one. You have to recognize that. The disciples didn't recognize how desperately they needed a miracle until Jesus helped them realize it. Their solution was this in verse 36. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus said, no, no, it's your responsibility to feed them. It's your responsibility. Think about that. The disciples didn't feel that they needed a miracle. Then Jesus said, no, you feed them. And they said, what? Huh? That would take over six months wages. It's impossible. Jesus told them this so they would feel the weight of the impossible. And for the first time They felt the burden, the weight of the responsibility. Because you see, look at this, until you recognize how desperate you are for a miracle, you'll never experience a miracle. And some of you desperately need a miracle today. And you know why I know that? Because you have told me so. Some of you need the miracle of salvation the greatest miracle of all. You think you're maybe a pretty good person and your sins aren't that bad. But it was your sins and my sins that was so bad that the God of the universe, the perfect Lamb of God, had to die in excruciatingly painful humiliating death upon a cross because it was the only way you or I could be forgiven. 
Listen, until you feel the burden, you'll never experience the blessing. Sometimes as Christians, we can easily say things that are true, but they become trite like, oh, don't worry about it. Now think about this. We see this all the time on Facebook. Oh, don't worry about it. Just let go and let God. Just give that to God. Yeah, it's a giant problem. Just give it to God. But you can't give something to God until you first, you feel the crushing weight of it. Until you feel the burden of its responsibility. You can't turn to the God of the impossible and release it. So, my question this morning, do you recognize how much you need a miracle today? Have you caught the burden? Have you felt the crushing weight of the problem in your life? If you're at that place, let me tell you something, you're in a good place. Then God can say, now you can turn to me and release it. Some of you came in here this morning feeling that your heart has been crushed. You feel like the breath has been knocked out of you. And I've talked to some of you this morning about that. And understandably so, I understand it. You haven't been able to, for one second, forget about the pain and the problem that you carried in here today. And it's not just carrying the problem because... You have something wrong with you, but because you are a caregiver of one of these other situations, or it's somebody close to you. Well, you're in a good place this morning because you feel the burden, and now you've got to release it to the only one who can make sense of it. Do you see what he did with the five loaves and the two fish? He blessed it, and he broke it, and he passed it out, and the miracle happened. In the same way, don't miss this, God takes our brokenness and he turns that brokenness into blessedness. I love how Jesus said, you guys feed them. <laughs> and when they realized, no, we can't do that, it's impossible, and he's like, good, that's right. I have you right where I want you, right? When you understand that it's all God. I got you right where I want you to be. God almost always works through us, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. But he always first asks us to feel the burden so that we can experience the blessing. Christ did three dozen miracles in the New Testament that are recorded. And this miracle was about halfway through. So the disciples had already seen him perform about 15 miracles before this happened. But yet they never once thought, well, maybe Jesus will do a miracle and feed all of them. Why is that? Well, I think a lot of the miracles that Jesus did before this were just kind of a one of a kind. I mean, think about it, healing a blind man. Or maybe healing a lame man and watching him walk. And maybe the 20,000 people were just overwhelming in the disciples' minds. They just thought, man, this is impossible. 
without ever thinking that the God who created the universe with one word was standing right next to them. It's the same thing with us. He couldn't turn all of these rocks on the hillside into bread, but they didn't stop to think about it. We've seen God do miracles in our own lives. We have. But then a big problem comes that just overwhelms us. And you know what we do? We start fishing in the wrong pond, trying to solve it ourselves. How many times have you heard this? Where God guides, say it, God provides. He does, amen? Don't ever forget that. When God asks you to do something, He gives you the power and provision to do it. He always does. But it comes through Him, the source. All of you need to hear today that God will see you through. You're going to make it with God's grace and power. Because where God guides, He does provide. He will meet your needs. Not a moment too soon. It's never too late for a miracle because God is never late. He's always on time. God is never too early. He's never too late. And so the lesson he wanted them to learn is to catch and release, to feel the burden and to experience the blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but I was raised in the country and I'm a country boy. And I know I sound like I'm from Boston. No, I got a country accent. And you know, when I went fishing, I went to fish, to catch the fish, to fry the fish. Fish meant, were meant to be fried, amen? So you need to know that. And so then you go with somebody sometimes that they like to catch and release, especially bass. Well, I used to go bass fishing in this stock pond, and man, I would catch them. And it was big, they were big, five, six, seven, eight pounds. Now, you understand the smaller fish are better to eat. But I would sit there and take my fillet knife where you almost needed a chainsaw to fillet some of these big old fish. And I had people telling me, you're not supposed to, what? Keep these fish, you're supposed to release them. You ever heard that? You ever done that? I wanted to eat them. But no, sometimes we need to catch and release Next, God always starts with what you have to give, not what you don't have. Now hear that. God's not going to ask you to give something you don't have. Jesus asked the disciples a seemingly useless question in verse 38. He said this. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Now look at that. And you're out there looking, and there's 20,000 people hungry. And so Jesus asked them, hey, well, what do we have? They could have said nothing. It doesn't matter if we find 50 loaves of bread and 50 fish. It's not going to make a dent in this crowd. So this is a useless question, Lord. But was it? This is a task that makes no sense. You are telling us to assess what we have there's no way we have enough. So nothing. But no, give the disciples credit. They obeyed and said, go and see. Check it out. And they did. And they came back and said, 
we've got five loaves and two fish. And man, I'm sure they were thinking to themselves the whole time, this is crazy. We've got the loaves and two fish. Okay, now what do we do? And Jesus said, great. (laughs) I just wanted to know what I had to work with. Because he always starts with what you have to give, not what you don't have. God always starts with what you have to give you a miracle. He always asks you, well, what do you have? Remember in the Old Testament when the widow had run out of food in the famine and the creditors were coming? You remember knocking on doors to take her children? The prophet Elijah came to her house and he said, she said, I'm in trouble and I need a miracle. And the first thing he asked her was, what do you have in your house? And she didn't say children. And she said, nothing. Didn't you hear me? Nothing. And then she thought, she said, except a little bit of, y'all know what it is? Oil. And he said, great, that's all you need. God will take that and he will use it and he will work a miracle. And she poured that oil into empty vessels. Remember that story? And the oil just kept flowing because God always starts with what you have to help you receive the miracle that you really need. And so he asked, well, what do we have? Well, we don't have much, but we've got some loaves and some fish. And too many times, though, Jesus asked, well, what do you have for me to work with? Lord, I don't have any talent. I don't have any time. I don't have any resources like that person or that person. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for resources. I'm praying for more time. I'm praying to be able to do this. And he says, what do you have? And we look over what we have, thinking about what we don't have. And God says, the miracle is under your nose most of the time. Did you hear that? And he asked you this morning, what's in your house? What do you have? Well, I've got a little bit of talent. I've got a little bit of time. I've got a few resources. Great. I can work a miracle with that. And I think the reason why God always asks us, what do you have, is because he wants to involve us in the miracle. He wants us to be a part of it. And he wants us to learn. You understand, he can't tell you to take up your mat and walk if you're not going to get up. Now, he can make you stand up and walk, but he wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part of it, and he wants us to learn that he can take anything and turn it into everything that we need. And that's what he did here. Number four, give what you have in faith and expect God to multiply. Now, human wisdom says, if I have a need, I need to hold on to the little I have, right? But God's wisdom says, whatever it is you need, you have to give that very thing away. In the Gospel of John, we find out exactly where the five loaves and two fish come from. 
The miracles in all four Gospels. It's so important. He wants us to get these lessons. And in John chapter 6, verses 8 through 9, it says this. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So this was the little boy's lunch. But don't miss this. But the miracle is not the boy's fish. It's his faith. He had the faith to give it all away. But he got back everything, and there were, what, 12 big baskets full left over. You see, it's not about what you don't have. It's about what you have and what you are willing to give away. That's the key. God never asks you to give something you don't have. God says, give me what you have. Give it to me. And here, don't miss this word. And expect me to do a miracle with it. You see... If there's anything in your life that you're just holding on to, I mean, you're squeezing it hard. Anything you're holding on to too tightly, then that thing will start holding you too tightly. See, hear this. Miracles are really God opening up heaven and sending a little of it down to earth. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When we're praying for a miracle, there's a key that unlocks the window of heaven to bring some heaven to earth. And that's faith. Now look at this. The miracle was not about the boy's fish. It was about the boy's faith to give it all away. Now look at this next verse. Malachi 3.8. It says, will man rob God? You are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And your tithes and contributions. God tells the people of Israel, hey, you're robbing me. And they say, Lord, we're not robbing you. We love you. We tell everyone about you. We got a bumper sticker on our car. I mean, come on, Lord. He says, you're robbing me. Because you're not giving me what's rightfully mine, the tithes and the offering. The Israelites knew all about the principle of tithing and giving God the first 10% of all you make. It's taught all throughout the Old Testament. It is. Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament. And God says, it's not that I need your money. I want what it represents, your heart. Because if I'm not first place in your finances and your time, your schedule, then I'm not first place in your life because those are really important to you. Hear me. If he's not first place, he is last place. Jesus is not going to settle for anything except first place. So the Israelites believed in tithing in their heads, but they would say we're not given to you. Uh, going to give to you the first fish. But yeah, we believe in giving 10%. So we'll give you the last fish. But then at the end of the fish, there wouldn't be much left over. And so they, you know what they would do? They would just give fish scales in the offering basket. 
And that's what some people do. That's what some of you do. You just give fish scales in the offering basket. Now listen, God said to them, and he says to us, I don't want you to bother with your leftovers. Give me first place. I gave my life for you. You give me the first and the best. Is that too much for God to ask? No, it's not. And here's the great news. God says if you start tithing again, practicing what you preach and what you believe, then I will open up the windows of heaven. That's what I will do. And then pour a blessing on you so great you won't be able to contain it. Just trust me in faith. And he says, test me in this. We're not to test God in any single thing other than giving. We give that first 10%, and he says, I will meet your needs. I've had so many people, I've had so many pastors from different areas that came up to me, and I may have told this story to you, but uh, back when we were doing uh, one of our funerals, it actually was Bill Hill's funeral, and a pastor from another church who's been the pastor there for about 30 years, and he came up and said, Pastor Al, has this not been about the hardest time in your life that you've ever pastored a church, you've ever been your hardest year in ministry? And man, I sat there, and you, you know what all went on. I mean, you know, we were closed down here for a long, long time, and you know we had to just uh, trust God. Isn't that sad when it comes to that? All you got to do is trust God. That's all you got, right? And, and I was sitting there. I didn't want to be arrogant. I didn't want to be boastful. And we just got through talking about we're getting ready to pay off this loan and do all this two and a half years ahead of time and this. And, man, things are looking good. And I looked at him, and I said, well, boy, it has been tough. I tell you what, I had that old COVID, too. And, man, it was bad. It was hard and this. But, but I just got to tell you, it's been one of the greatest years of my ministry. God has just been so good. Amen? And guess what? We're still here. We pay that loan off, amen? We got money in the bank. God has been good. But you still need time. Thought I'd get that in there. Listen. And this is the principle of overflow. He says, if you test me, I will overflow your life. I will meet your needs. Not your greeds, but your needs. And I will give you more, and you'll catch more, so you can release more, and catch more, and release more, and catch more, and release more. You get it? So he wants me to catch and release, catch and release, catch and release, so that he can bless. In Mark chapter 6, verse 42, it says, And they all ate and were satisfied. You see, the point of the whole miracle is not in this passage, though. It's right after that. Because after Jesus feeds the 20,000 on the hillside, the disciples come to him and say, we couldn't find you. He says, and you, are you coming here to try to find me because I fed you? It's like, wow, man, this guy, I mean, we got lunch. How about breakfast and dinner? Maybe we can get a free meal. 
They said, God, we, we, we didn't know where you were. We thought you were healing blind people and raising the dead and healing the sick. That's cool and all, but we're not sick. We're pretty hungry. And you're going to provide for us. We'll never have to buy a meal again. And Jesus said, you've come to me because I gave you all the food that you wanted. But look at this. He said, that food is going to spoil. But this is some food that satisfies your hunger forever. And they said, Lord, we want that bread. What's the bread? And he said, I am the bread of life. And see, the miracle was not about the bread. It was about the bread of life. It was about Jesus and Jesus alone. So let me close this out. Jesus did the miracle with the bread and the fish so that they had learned to take their faith and place it all in the bread of life so they could find joy. Anybody here need some joy this morning? They could find peace. They could find love. They could find purpose and the meaning and never hunger again. You know what that is? That's food that doesn't spoil. He said the whole purpose of the miracle was to point people to him so they could find real life. You know why? For nothing is impossible with God. So let me ask you this morning. When you walked into this place this morning, what did you feel like is impossible? Did you feel like you have a disease that God can't heal? Do you feel like you have a disease that maybe God doesn't heal you from it, literally, but He can help you walk through it? Did you walk in here this morning hoping for a prodigal son or daughter to come home? And you said, Lord, but I've been praying for six years. The Lord said, how about seven? This is impossible, God. It's not impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. You know why? Because He's the God of the impossible. It's never too late for a miracle. So I ask you this morning, but what do you have? Give it to Him and let Him multiply Again, some of you this morning, I have no idea what you came in here needing today. The most important thing before you can have any of these other healings, you got to have the healing of salvation. you got to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me tell you how simple that is. Right now, even with the eyes open, this is what you pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know it's my sin that puts you on that cross. And Father, the best I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. And Lord, the best I know how, I just accept you as my Savior. I believe that you come in right now into my heart, and I trust you to be my Savior and boss. God, help me to to change 
my playground, the people that I hang around that's been a bad influence. God, I need your help. Father, thank you for saving me today. You do that, you're on your way to heaven. For many of you, you're just in here today and you've got all kinds of things that you need help with. Man, some of us just getting older. Amen? We got aches. We got pains. But God says nothing is impossible with me. So today, whatever it may be, in a moment, this altar will be open. If you'd just like to come and pour out your heart to God, you'd like to come and pray with one of us pastors, we'd love to do that this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you're still in the miracle-working business. That, God, we still serve a God of miracles. And, Father, I pray today that if there was one person that asked you in their heart as their Lord and Savior today, that, God, you would give them the boldness. You would give them the zeal. You would give them the courage to come forward and maybe grab one of us pastors by the hand and tell us that where we can just share that with the church, God, and they'll see how much this church will love them and support them. Lord, for whatever people are holding on to today, God, I pray that they would release it. God, I pray that we would understand that you don't want to take stuff, God, that we don't have, but you want to take what we do have and use it for your glory. So God, would you just move among this place today? We ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.